everybody. Welcome back to the Jake Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Brainy. This is episode 41 of the Jake. About the 11-month mark of this podcast, ever since the date, April 26, 2017. The first one was the night before the 2017 NFL Draft. And now we're getting back into draft season after all the summer stuff and the, you know, 12 pods of Jakemas. Got through the winter months. Today is the first day of spring. And of course, it's a snow day. It is unbelievable. Get the call this morning. And this is after last night where I was kind of informed, listen, we're getting snow. And it's coming. It's this Toby Nor'easter, which had so many hilarious office jokes just already in there. You know, with uh, with Toby, the HR guy that everyone hates. Uh, but, you know, coming into today... I was like, all right, I might have a snow day. They let us out early yesterday, and then they told us we got a delayed opening today, which usually means, like, they're putting off the word for as long as they can, but they're still going to call us off. And instead of, like, being like a kid when, you know, when you think you might be getting snow, you wake up, you turn on the radio, you listen to 94 through the point as they're announcing all the schools with that, like, in the background, like, where some, like, 50s broadcast about, like, the war. But <laughs> it was it was so great waking up in the morning and just, like, waiting for your school. And you're like, all right, let them get through all the public schools first. It's like, all right, Brielle, all right, that's not near us. Okay, all right. Like, give me H.W. Mounts. And it's like, all right, they closed Mounts. We're good, right? We're good. They closed the Spring Lake Public School. They're definitely going to close the Spring Lake Catholic School. We got buses coming from everywhere, but usually they didn't close Mounts. So we're like, all right, but the buses, the buses, they come from all over the place, right? And it's like, okay, they, they you know, they canceled Wall High School. I'm like, that's a good one. Wall High School, yes. Now over to the parochial schools. All right, okay. St. Aloysius, St. Bethany. And you're like, okay, all right, come on, Catherine, Catherine, Catherine. And then the heartbreaking times is when they're like, St. Dennis. And you're like, oh, no. And you're in denial. And, you, and you wait, you're like, let's just wait 10 more minutes. They might haven't, they maybe haven't called it in yet. And usually that just means you're just putting off getting ready for the school day. But... When they call that St. Catherine's and you get so excited, and you're like, yes, let's go. You're all amped up and you're like, let's go outside. Let's build a snowman. Let's go to the park and let's sleigh ride. Let's, let's have mom make Cinnabons. And you're like amped up. You can be like 12, 13, 14 years old and you're still really pumped up for this. High school, it dies down a little bit because you're too cool for it anymore. Now, you know, at college, we basically took snow days all the day because all the time because, you know, didn't have classes on Thursdays or Fridays or Mondays, whatever. Like, basically, college classes were like snow days. And then adulthood, where it's just not exciting anymore. It's like, all right, well, what does that mean? <sighs> Crap, do I have to, like, work to do from home? And it's like, oh, God, like, now snow day is just an inconvenience. I'm looking outside. I'm like, you know, I, I move my car around. The roads are really icy. But then I, you know, I come back home. And look, and I'm like, oh, now I'm all snowed in. Like, what the hell? I missed all the heavy stuff today. It's really coming down now. I'm like staring down the barrel of maybe a second snow day, which at this point, like, I need to get back to work. I have stuff to do, which is crazy that I'm like saying this, but I think I'd still welcome the snow day. I just, uh, it's just not the same as when you're 10 years old and you get to go sleigh riding. But anyway, snow day today isn't the biggest news. We got a lot of sports things to get to. Number one. Last week, 
my favorite athlete of all time, Joe Thomas, retired from the NFL. Yep, it was very sad, but this was something that we we're kind of getting prepared for. You know, he had flirted with retirement last year, but he still had his snap streak going strong, and he was really close to 10,000. So we got to 10,000. Two weeks later, he gets the first injury of his career, supposedly first injury. I'll get back to that later. That has ever sidelined him, the first snap he ever missed. And turns out that play was the last of his NFL career. And when that happened, I thought to myself, this might happen. He might retire now because he doesn't want to rehab an injury and come back. You know, he's already been banged up his whole career, which is something that he reiterated on the Tomahawk podcast, which is a great podcast presented by Uninterrupted with Joe Thomas and Andrew Hawkins. And Joe went into all the injuries that he's played through. He's had multiple knee operations. He's had like a problem standing up at times. If he's like standing for more than 30 minutes straight, he'll, he'll like his knees and his hips get like really weak. This is like his shoulder, his, his arm. He's had so many things going on that you're like, you know, in his retirement press conference, he said, I just don't have it in me anymore. Like I want to play football, but my body just can't do it. And like he went through all of his injuries and all you could feel out was, wow. Like, thank you so much for doing that for us. Like, it, I, it went from being really sad and heartbroken because I was prepared, but still when it came out, you're like, it was still gut punch. But then once he, like, explained, it just went to appreciation. Like, that's all I could think about was, wow, this guy. Like, talk about a guy who really gets the Cleveland Browns, right? He loves us. He, he like, he knows what we're all about. In his press conference, he talked about how proud he was to be a Cleveland Brown, how some people laugh that off, but what he learned about the Browns and their fan base and what it meant to like give your all for a team in a city that wants it so badly. Like it, it just, it just got to me. I it made me so happy that like he appreciated, he wasn't just a great athlete that's retiring. He's like, he means a lot to the community. He's not going anywhere. His kids are in school. He lives here. He has shown a lot of interest in national media but I wouldn't be surprised if he takes a front office position first. You know, he he's is going to be near the Browns. He talked about how he's going to be a big Browns fan this year. He's excited to watch other football games too, but he is really excited to be a Browns fan. And I bet he's going to be there. Well, he's definitely going to be there opening night because they're going to be retiring his number and everything. So, so it was a very it was a you know it was a very sad thing that came through. Of course, this was announced after my episode last week with Brendan Leister who was a great guest talking about the NFL draft. But, uh, of course, you know, Joe announces this the morning after I uh, released the pod with Brian Leister. So didn't have a chance to talk about it until today. But uh, also, for those thinking that Joe Thomas waited till free agency started to tell the Browns, uh, you're crazy. He just didn't tell the public until now. This was told to the Browns, he said he, they knew for weeks about his decision and they were pretty uh, on to him in the season. And they like when he first met with John Dorsey, John Dorsey got a feeling. And, and so he had been making plans. And that's why they were so far down the road with Nate Solder. And then they ended up signing two other tackles when he went to the Giants and his price got too high. So they obviously had their contingency plans. They're going to start Chris Hubbard at right tackle and they're going to have a battle for left tackle, starting with uh, Sean Coleman, Donald Stevenson, and possibly a draft pick. So, 
So, you know, that was the first thing was Joe Thomas definitely told the Browns. He said so himself. So if you if you think he's screwing the Browns over, you're way wrong. For those think he's making a mistake, you know, uh, with his with his retirement decision, you'd be wrong too. Like you have to listen to his reasons. Like you can't force a guy to play through an injury. Like that's it, it, he's got his the rest of his life to to focus on. And it, you know, it didn't come down to getting paid enough because he was already getting paid. He was a, like outside of Solder, he had the biggest contract in the NFL. So he actually retired with the biggest contract ever for an offensive lineman. So he he had to. So if you're going to criticize him for that, you're you're insane and you just don't understand what it's like to be an NFL football player. Like he made it 11 years. It was freaking awesome. 10,000 straight snaps. So don't tell him what to do. Uh, but it was it you know what? A just salute to Joe Thomas. Episode 73 will be, you know, so, like another year away, but still appreciate it from one of the best of the best ever. The other big story from last week was UMBC. Now, I'm sure you've heard it all by now. University of Maryland, Baltimore County upset the number one overall seed, University of Virginia, in the first ever 16 over one. And it wasn't tight. They blew them out. It was crazy. Like, it was such a one-sided affair in the second half Everyone was just counting the seconds down. They weren't even watching the game. Once it reached like 15 minutes left, you're just like, how much time does Virginia have to score? They've been playing such a poor offensive game, and UMBC have been shooting so well that it's like, you didn't even think like, oh my gosh, are they going to come back? You're thinking, do they even have enough time? They're down 14, and they have only scored 35 points You know, to this point. How are they going to... Uh, you know, undo 14 points right now. It's it never happened, and it was crazy. But it it was but it was the coolest thing ever. It was it goes down as one of those, you know, moments that you'll never forget where you were when you heard it. Like uh, if we're sticking to sports here, you know, I'll never forget where I was when you know the Cavs won the title. Uh, I also will never forget when LeBron announced the decision, or uh, when Barry Bonds broke Babe Ruth's record or Hank Aaron's record. You know, those things were just like, I remember the moment I saw it, the moment I, you know, when when oh, when Robert Ory beat the Sacramento Kings, I remember exactly where I was when that happened. There are some things that you just, you'll always picture it. And I was watching the game with my buddies Bill and Brendan and Sean, and we we're just like, hold on, this, this is happening. And we turned it on for the second half, and it was awesome. And it's going to be going down in history. And I said the words, you know, top sports, sports moment ever. And I mean that because, you know, we let's think about that for a second. World Series titles happen every year. Super Bowls, NBA Finals championships, Masters championships. Those things happen every year. So they are like the pinnacle of your sport. But it it's not historic unless you have more to it, right? So, like, why is this one historic? Well, like, you know, okay, it's the first time ever. You know, this was something that's unprecedented. 135 times beforehand, the 16 has lost. You know, the closest was Princeton getting a shot at the buzzer over Georgetown, but it was blocked. Bobby Scravis, friend of the family, you know, he was blocked by Alonzo Mourning on a Georgetown team that was always going to win their games with low-scoring, tight affairs. And Princeton, with the backdoor cuts and the, and the solid shooting, 
or is able to hang in there. So you see that, and as funny as the old one is, you know, it's like, oh, well, that was so long ago. It's like, that's still the blueprint. That was the blueprint you had, you know. UNC was rarely going to be a team that gets, you know, upset by a 16 because they run you out of the gym and they just beat you with athleticism. UVA was a team that prides themselves on defense. And it's like, well, unless UMBC finds a way to just make all of their deep shots that are, like, you know, open, this was a game that's like, all right, that's the only formula. Win a defensive battle with great shooting. And Virginia is a defensive team. And it, I just thought it was so cool that it was the number one overall seed. I feel bad for UVA because I'm always going to picture them as like, wow, you guys lost the 16. It'll go down in infamy because who knows how long it'll take to happen again. And the best part was I actually had a 10-year bet going with a guy I used to work with who actually didn't remember this when I brought it up to him, but I think he kind of realized, like, yeah, that was something I would say. We had a 10-year bet, and I was saying, hey, listen, in 10 years, if a 16 hasn't beaten a 1, I'll give you 10 bucks, and when a 16 does beat a 1, 10 bucks for me. I mean, I'm not a big better. I don't like making big dollar bets, but I do like having you know, the shorter ones, because I just want people's like word, you know, and I just want to say, Hey, you know, like call you out when you think you say something stupid. So I thought this guy was going to be way wrong and that a 16 would always be the one. But yeah, I, I, it was, it was pretty cool collecting from him too. And, you know, come to think of it, it might actually be another guy, but you know, now that he doesn't remember it, I'm like a little unsure, but I'm, I'm going to stick with him because he was coming off a little like pompous at the time. So I'm pretty sure it was him. But just such a cool, unbelievable thing. You know, UMBC retrievers, those jersey sales have got to be on fire now. Like someone pointed out how much uh, money they made. Like the campus bookstore, like the Monday after, basically ran out of everything by like 9 a.m. Because everyone wants to be a fan. And I'm like, I don't, I don't blame them. Like... We actually played them in college rugby, and I have like a historic rugby shot from when I played against them where I just ran over this like basically little kid who, you know, he was just the same age I was, but I just plowed right through him, and there's a, a pretty good sequence of pictures there. But <laughs> UMBC, a small school that wasn't even supposed to win their tournament, got in with, with like a barely over 500 record and the lowest seed unbelievable just so cool so and i'm i'm really just like and i'll just always live too that'll always be the thing like they'll always be the first and that's why this outranks so many sports moments because you know they set the bar and there are so many things that have happened in sports that's like oh you're the 23rd person too or the 15th team to do that and this is the first this is one of the first things in my life, sports-wise, that I can say, like, wow, I saw the first ever, you know? I saw the first ever Cleveland championship, but it's like, oh, they technically won some before. Uh, you know, it's the first in my lifetime, though, when they won in 2016. Speaking of which, you know, to get off of you on BC, uh, watch an awesome Cavs-Raptors game tonight. Really great to see the Cavs playing well again. You know, a lot of people, and I know a couple big NBA fans who would say, like, you know, oh, the sky is falling for Cleveland. I'm like, well, you know, they literally haven't played with their full team yet. Like, they got rid of all the bad guys that nobody that we didn't want, and they added some really decent players. But 
Rodney Hood's been hurt. Larry Nance has been hurt. Tristan Thompson has been having a really down year and has been hurt. Uh, Kevin Love was out. This is like his first week playing with the team again or since the trade. So, you know, it's great having him back. And Jetty Oshman is, is hurt. And it, it was just like there was way too many guys that they need to be role players were out. And, and Kyle Korver had to take a leave because his brother passed away. So just... You know, a lot of people were getting on the Cavs' case and like, look, you know, until someone proves to beat LeBron in the playoffs, you know, I mean, it, it basically took a, an all-star team of Western all-stars to beat him. The only teams to beat him in the last three years in the playoffs is the Warriors. No one in the East has been able to even get more than two wins. In three years, he's lost five Eastern Conference playoff games. So, you know, I just got to put things into perspective. Anyway, it was a great game. LeBron had 17 assists, no turnovers, the first of his career, and the most uh, a player has ever gone, most assists a player has ever had without having a turnover. And, I mean, he, he won't win MVP, which it's crazy because, you know, Houston's still a playoff team without James Harden, but what is, what is the Cavs team without LeBron James? Like, like a lottery team, probably. Like, not even just lottery, but like bad lottery, like tank lottery. So, it's something to think about when, you know, oh, well, LeBron's not going to win MVP. It's like, you know, why not? We've set such a high bar for him. He's still breaking his own records and, like, making accomplishments he's never had before. He's at, he's had his league, his, his career high in assists per game, rebounds per game, and he's field goal percentage per game like it's just wild and we've set such a high bar that it's like how does he how does he even wow us he continues to put us in awe and yet we're not even considering him for for mvp i think that's a little crazy i mean you know hey but it was a great game uh raptors look basically like you know the best team in the east if not for LeBron James getting in the way and just causing the biggest traffic stop ever at the Eastern Conference Finals. But they look great, uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if they beat the Cavs in the playoffs because they are just a stacked team with a great bench, too. It'll be interesting when the Cavs, all their guys play in the playoffs, their deep bench and how they match up, because if they can withstand the Toronto bench, then I think the Cavs have a really good shot to beat them because then it's just LeBron needs to outplay their guys, their starters, and he doesn't need to keep on making big comebacks because the bench gave it up. I think that's the biggest thing for the Cavs. What else did I do today? You know, a typical snow day for an adult. I basically got the call that work our office was closed, went back to sleep, and just laid in bed for a while, played a little bit of video games, had a bagel, and like took a nap later in the day but the biggest thing i did that i was a real big fan of was sam darnold's pro day now i know i said this the last like three four weeks when i have brendan leister on when i have jake burns on when i'm talking by myself pro days like do not matter they're designed to make you look good they are just basically just showing off it's like a dunk contest you know so, yes, you can see what they are capable of, but in the jobs that were done recently, right, the, the two California guys, Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen, 
had their pro days, and they looked awesome. Josh Rosen looked like he has the perfect pass, like Brady-esque ball, Matt Ryan, who else? Nick Foles actually throws a really nice ball. Jared Goff, just so like rainbow, like Aaron Rodgers, rainbow passes from Josh Rosen that just look like the perfect arc and everything you want in a quarterback. But, you know, he doesn't get to answer his concussion questions. You know, that's the biggest problem with these pro days are these guys don't have to answer their biggest question. You know, Sam Darnold turned the ball over a billion times in college. Well, you're not going to turn the ball over when you're, you know, running routes on air. You know, if you keep on doing these ROAs and you're like, oh, well, there's no D back there. He's not fitting it into a window. He's just throwing a really good ball. And I get a lot of scouts love him. And it was very obvious today that the Browns really liked him because Jimmy Haslam was watching the pro day in the stands with Sam Darnold's parents. So let's think about that for a second. <laughs> you know, how often does you know the owner of a team go down to, to sit with college football players' parents at the pro day? You, know, you could have been standing right up there with John Dorsey and Hugh Jackson and the rest of the Cleveland Browns that were you know, right next to him while he's running these and... Jimmy Haslam sitting in the stands with Sam Darnold's parents. And then Darnold answered all the questions afterwards. He's, you know, he did a great job in that. He obviously is like a bright kid. He's the type of guy you want, like leading your team. He doesn't have any like, tr you know, tricky like things to maneuver around, like with Baker Mayfield's, you know, police incident and kind of attitude sometimes, and Josh Rosen's attitude, and he comes off as kind of like dickish sometimes. Sam Darnold doesn't have any of those questions. Even though I don't think those are really big deals for Rosen and Mayfield, you know, especially those two guys, I think they're going to be fine pros. Darnold doesn't even have that. You know, his biggest player comparison to the pros is Jameis Winston. You know, a stockier build, doesn't really have that like rainbow pass, but he does have like a very wound up arc that maybe you want to mess with his mechanics, but at the same time you're like, Maybe not mess with it because he's gotten to this point in his career playing like this. So I get the Jameis Winston comparison. He's maybe a little less mobile than Winston. Winston's best runs are really from college, though. From the pro level, they don't seem to be that different of runners. You know, I think a lot of people remember Jameis Winston of making incredible runs for Florida State, but he really hasn't done that in the pros. He's not been that player. And I think Darnold's mobility is similar to his, in, in his pro comparison at least. And then just like, you know, the funky windup, you know, gets you a little bit. But he put the ball, he threw a pretty ball today. It was raining, which just was perfect for the Browns to be like, oh man, this must have been like, just made their day of like, they couldn't have asked for a better, rainier, like, you know, soaking wet ball. Uh, he, you know, had to throw a heavier ball, 60, 65 yards, so pretty impressive that he was able to do that but again you don't want to get caught up in a pro day because he does it he runs on air you know you don't answer questions about concussion history you don't have to answer answer questions about your height because everybody knows it you don't have to answer questions about off-field problems or you know you're all you need to do is show my footwork can work in the nfl i can take snaps from under center fluid motion I don't get like caught up in the backfield doing like play actions, and boots, and rollouts. There are plenty of things you can show, but these guys have great quarterbacks coaches. You know, whether it's like 
Whitfield or Palmer or any of those, you know, big guys up top. He's he's been coached to be ready for these pro days. Like not many of these quarterbacks look bad on their pro days. So, you know, and Rosen, it was windy, Darnold, it was rainy, but they both looked good in the pro day. They were ready for the media. So just be careful when you got these pro days going on because there's going to be quarterbacks going up really high in this draft, probably the first three picks, which takes, you know, so it's going to be pumped up a little bit. Don't really know the order yet, though. Don't know. Uh, but that does bring us to the football portion, the New York football portion, I should say, of this podcast episode. So one of the big moves of the offseason has been the Jets this past Saturday trading up in the draft to the Colts. Uh, they went from number six to number three in the draft. Uh, and doing so, they traded two second rounders this year and a second rounder next year to Indianapolis just to swap those two spots. So before we get into the New York part, I, I love the job for the Colts. I thought it was really great. Uh, at three, you know, everyone was saying, well, do they want Saquon Barkley? Do they want Quentin Nelson? Maybe that's a little high uh, for a guard, which... Everyone knows I don't think it's too high because it's going to be the best line, lineman on your team. So why does that matter if he's a left guard? If you have a good left tackle to pair with him, you can make a solid line regardless. You know, Or Bradley Chubb, the DN. Big-time pass rusher. Uh, they have him as the number one in this draft, and he'd be number two behind Miles Garrett, but still a top-five pick last year. So it, you know, the Colts had three options at number three. I think they did a great service themselves by moving down to six because at least three QBs will be taken top, you know, top five and possibly a fourth QB, which means they'll have one of those guys that they were considering at three. If they weren't certain on their mind, you know, making up their minds, they can just bump down three to six and it'll be a clearer spot for them. They'll still be able to pick up a really awesome prospect and they got three extra second round picks out of it. That could be, if you fall and you take Bradley Chubb at six, I mean, you could have been taking Bradley Chubb at three, but now you get him at six. In addition, you get an offensive lineman in the early 30s, and you get a running back help later in the second round, too, and then you have one next year, all for the price of just moving down three spots to take the guy you might have taken in the first place. Great job by the Colts. Um, that being said, I don't think the Jets, the Jets really got hosed here because... The Buffalo Bills, Arizona Cardinals, and Denver Broncos have all been talking about moving up. And the Jets just pulled the trigger first. They went from 6-3. to three. With that, they will get one of these quarterbacks. They're not going to be left out in the cold. They jumped Denver, and they separated themselves from Buffalo and Arizona. So I think they did a good job you know, getting in front, but they left a little room. you know, By only going up to 3 Two and one are still open for a trade-up. So that's what we're thinking, right? But that's not entirely the case. You know, they tried to move up. But, you know, they contacted both New York Giants and Cleveland Browns about a trade-up. And no team wanted it. Now, that could be for two reasons. Number one, Cleveland didn't want a trade because they're taking a QB. They might not know who it is just yet. Uh, even though Sam Darnold's pro day, a lot of people think Brent, you know he's the favorite. And I would say he's the favorite, but it's still a lot to be had. You know, Baker Mayfield's workout with the Browns is tomorrow. 
he's going to interview with them. There is plenty of time for this to go back and forth. We have a month till the draft. But, you know, so the Browns are taking a quarterback. We don't know who it is, but they're taking one. And I think the Giants are too. Now, why would the Giants just drop from two to six? Well, they know that if they made the deal with the Colts, they would still have a chance to nab those Buffalo picks. So by by the Giants letting the Jets do the trade with the Colts, they knew that the price has been set for Buffalo. And they're like, okay, so if we do want to trade down, we can still do that. And if that's their plan all along, I give a lot of prods to Dave Gettleman, who said, listen, you go make set the bar with, with Indianapolis, and we will just make it a bigger bar when Buffalo comes to trade ahead of you. So that would that could be one route. They could be, you know, basically saying, Hey Jets, thanks for setting the bar. Thanks for giving us the higher price tag. Or they could just be taking a quarterback. You know, a lot of people don't want to say they're gonna go quarterback because oh, they have Eli Manning. But there are a lot of different routes, you know, with, with the whole, oh, we have Eli. You know, yes, McAdoobie is gone. You know, they don't have to worry about the coach that benched Eli. You know, he's not here anymore. He's not making the decisions. So I get that it's a different thing. And maybe under Pat Shermer and with the healthy wide receivers, they can uh, turn around. And maybe that number two pick can help them out if it's an offensive lineman, if it's Saquon Barkley. It's like, yes, they could be back. You know, they could be back. But they like to blame a lot of things on our offensive line. And it's not like they had a really bad line last year. I mean, Justin Pugh and Weston Richburg both just got paid. You know, you, you listen to what Chris Sims and Adam Lefko said. Like, the line's not bad there. They just keep on, like, you know, getting blamed for bad line play because they had some, like, hilariously bad plays at times. But Eric Flowers got better, and now he's moving to right tackle. Nate Solder, he goes to the Giants... And he, he, yes, he's an improvement at left tackle. And by moving Flowers over to right tackle, maybe you have bookend guys. But, you know, Nate Solder is still the fourth best. He's the worst starting left tackle in the NL, at NFC East. You know, you have Tyron Smith when he's healthy. You know, let's assume healthy because Nate, you know, if we're going to assume Nate Solder is healthy, we should assume all these guys are healthy. So let's assume healthy. You know, the Eagles have one of the best lines in the game, and Lane Johnson is right up there as one of the best ones, as long as Jason Peters. So, you know, like but both of their tackles are better. Uh, Tyron Smith, when he's healthy, is better. And Trent Williams might be the best left tackle in the game now. Him or Taylor Luan. So, I mean, Nate Solder, yes, he's a great add because he helps a, a big, you know, position of weakness, but they might not be in right now as they should be, you know. And why I think they're taking a quarterback is, yes, they could be holding that pick ransom until draft day so they can drive the price up. But I think David Gettleman gets that. This is a really strong quarterback class. And the Giants don't plan on drafting top two in the near future. Next year, no one's really talking about any of the QBs that are going to be coming out. You know, Maybe the year after when these freshmen from Georgia and Alabama are available, but... You know, if we think about that, those guys, they're freshmen. Christian Hackenberg was hyped up a lot as a freshman. Matt Barkley was hyped up a lot as a freshman. So don't just assume these freshmen are going to be the future franchise changers. You know, JT Barrett, you know, he played as a freshman. He's not going to be making noise in the NFL. So I think, you know, this might be the best class in 
the last few years, but it also might be the best class for the next few years. So you add those two things up, not to mention Eli's age, and he's going to be 38 on opening day. And I think David Gettleman is a smart guy, and he realizes, listen, we're not going to get a chance to draft a franchise QB in the near future. Uh, when Eli retires, you all will be pissed that you got to turn it over to Davis Webb, or you're going to be glorifying some backup like Mike Glennon and trying to sign him like the Jets and the Bears and the Browns all do, you know, with these backups. You're going to want your own guy. So is it going to be Davis Webb? Webb Davis, what's his name? I think it's Davis Webb. Are you going to want a third-round pick who's never seen the field, or are you going to want one of these blue-chip prospects like Josh Rosen, Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, even Lamar Jackson? You know, take Lamar Jackson, why not? And at least put him on the bench, and you can at least develop him into being, you know, the most dynamic. Or Josh Allen, big arm, he could learn for a year or two. I don't think these are problems. I think everyone's kind of... Uh, you know, just trying to win now because, oh, Saquon Barkley looks so awesome. I get that. And it's probably going to be really good as a pro. But when you have other needs and franchise quarterback is one of them, you know, you can't take Saquon Barkley over it. I, I just, I, I don't care. It's just not, no. And, hey, that goes to the Browns, too. You can't be taking Saquon Barkley at one. You know, it, like you have other needs. If Saquon's there at four, you can think about it. But you have to take the quarterback before running back. This draft class, there are going to be good running backs you're going to have at the top of round two. Love Sony Michelle, Ronald Jones Jr. Maybe Geis doesn't get there, but he's a late first round rounder you can grab. You can get good running backs. Saquon Barkley is probably going to be great, but he shouldn't be drafted by a team that has bigger needs. Okay, and I think the Giants, you know, fans are just in love with a running back that makes a lot of noise and looks really awesome, but. Maybe they're not into Saquon Barkley enough to say, listen, we can grab a quarterback. Or if they don't go quarterback and they want to trade down, I think their best bet if they want to trade down to Denver. Let's look at that scenario for a real quick second. You're the New York Giants drafting second overall. You don't want franchise quarterback. I think it's a mistake, but maybe that's the route they're going. You can trade down with Denver and say, hey, Denver, listen, you have a chance to jump the Jets. You don't have to get the third quarterback anymore. You can get the second. So if you like two of them, you're going to get one because the Browns aren't going anywhere. We'll swap two and five. Okay. The price for the Giants, you know, let's, we won't even, you know, we'll start with the three twos that it took uh, to, from Indy to get from six to three. From five to two, let's say it's three second rounders, maybe a little sweetener in there as well. Maybe they hold them for a little bit higher ransom. Who knows? But Denver can make that trade because they got to get their QB. You know, they John Elway, everyone has been leaning on this guy's opinion of quarterbacks for a, a, a little bit longer than they should right now because he hasn't had a good quarterback play, and he just went out and gave Case Keenum $19 million. I think that's just not going to cut it for the long haul. So John Elway's got to go up and get his pick. And, you know, he would, whatever his pick is, you know, but at least you get ahead of the Jets so you make sure you can make it. And there is no too big of a price for a franchise QB. And Giants moving down to five, you can get a great prospect. Just like Indianapolis was planning by going three to six, if you go two to five, 
and you know those first three picks are quarterback, man, you can get either Barkley or Nelson at five. You know, one of them goes four to the Browns. Maybe Chubb goes four to the Browns, and you can have the choice of that. Or maybe you take Chubb. Giants didn't sack anybody last year. They could use a young defensive end like Bradley Chubb. There's nothing wrong with that. You can take him at two. You can take him at five. Take him at four. Trade down with the Browns. And if the Browns are dumb enough to go take the picks one and two. God, that is... that. is I'm, I'm a not... A, there are a lot of things I don't like. Possibilities that I don't like. But I think that's my number one possibility I don't like. I'd be very pissed. No, no. Not at all. Not at all. I wouldn't like trading up to two for the Browns. Everyone knows I like sitting where you are. Taking a QB at one. And then taking just a stud at four. Or if Buffalo blows you away with an offer, you trade down four. But... Regardless, I think there's another trade coming in these top five picks. Whether it's Denver or Buffalo moving up, the Giants can decide. Uh, but I think it'd be a mistake to pass on QBs. Also, the other thing that everyone's pointing out, you know, this year there were a lot of starting quarterbacks available. That's not going to be the case in future years. You know, Kirk Cousins was never supposed to hit the market. The The Redskins really screwed up the whole situation there by letting him go when they could have, you know, they didn't want to bet on him, and he just played them and played them and played them, getting paid and paid and paid on these one-year deals, and then they just had to let him go and and make a deal for someone else. So it's, you know, it's not the smartest move when you could have just had this guy the whole time, and you paid Alex Smith, who's older, you know, and is like a very similar style quarterback to Kirk Cousins and very similar level. You know, they, they got the older version that they had to trade for and pay instead of just paying Kirk Cousins. And but he soured with them too much and they just had to let him go. So <laughs> good luck with the comp draft pick. Well whatever. You know, I'm not here to talk about the Redskins or the Vikings, I'm just talking about the Giants. But these guys won't be as available in the future and will glorify the Fitzpatrickses and the Glennons instead of actually saying, hey, listen, Kirk Cousins is a top 12 quarterback in the NFL, maybe top 15, but like one of those top guys. Those don't come available. Like when you have a franchise quarterback, you lock them up, you make them happy because you realize how tough it is to get a franchise quarterback. And when he turns 37, you get him his future replacement. I know it's not going to be popular, but it'll be very popular in a couple years. And sometimes you have to bite the bullet and do the hard thing because it's the right thing to do. So with that being said, I think the Giants need to take a quarterback at two. Uh, if they trade down, I understand that they package two and get a bunch of extra second round picks and they can improve their offensive line and get a running back. I'm okay with that. Like, but by just getting Saquon Barkley, I don't think Saquon Barkley makes your team a Super Bowl contender. I don't think any one move makes the Giants a Super Bowl contender. And Eli is going to be getting worse because his play has been going down the last few years. So when he's turning 38, it's not like his play is going to get a whole lot better. You know, Pat Shermer, it's not like he went to Cleveland and made all of them better. He went to Cleveland. He was run out of town. The guy was like, scared to be the Browns head coach. So it's not like this guy has a great track record of taking over a new team. And they come with a lot of personality and a lot of attitude. And the whole Odell Beckham situation is blowing up in his face right now. It's 
it's I don't think this I don't think the Giants are going to be a Super Bowl contender in the next few years, which means Eli's career, which means it's time to make the move for the next guy. It's not popular, but I think it's the right thing. Who is that guy? It doesn't seem like Baker Mayfield would or would be the best fit, uh, because he just doesn't. He's just not a very similar quarterback to Eli, and I think he's ready to play now. I don't think taking him and putting him on a team where he has to sit behind Eli is a great call, uh, and that goes for Josh Rosen too. Josh Rosen is a guy that he should be starting right away, so I don't like him to New York. I like Sam Darnold to New York, and I like Josh Allen to New York because they're both guys that, if you put it all together, they can give you a really good shot in the future, and you don't need to play them right now. Okay, so let's start with Darnold. He has a pro day today. He made all the throws look great, but one thing he has to figure out is how to turn the ball over less, how to stay clean in the pocket, and that's something that if you get thrown into the fire of a bad football team, that might, you know, that might hurt a little bit. You know, if he had to play right away for the Cleveland Browns, I would say that's a lot of trouble. But he doesn't. He can sit behind Tyrod Taylor if they make him the first overall pick. You know, and I think that'd be very valuable. So if Darnold makes it past the Browns at one, I think the Giants at two would be a really good spot for him. Plus, you know, he has like you know the USC vibe would would sell well in New York. Uh, he seems like a great kid and. And, you know, someone that the Giants would love to have, not something with, like, off-field problems. So Donald makes a lot of sense. And the other one being Josh Allen from Wyoming. He has, you know, the biggest arm that anyone has seen, you know, since Jamarcus Russell, maybe even better than Jamarcus Russell. And that's not meant to be a slight on him. That's Jamarcus Russell's arm was insane. You know, he was throwing 70-yard bombs from his knees. So let's, you know, let's give him that credit. The one thing with Allen is that he's missed some really easy throws in his career. And as cool as his highlight tape is, his low light reel is a little embarrassing. You know, he's missing these dump off passes, and everyone said, Oh, well, look at the talent he had around him, and look at how many drops it has. Like, Josh Rosen had more drops than, than Josh Allen did. And Josh Rosen went to UCLA. You know, Josh Allen. And he's not throwing his teammates under the bus. A lot of people are just defending him because they see how good of an army he has. You know, Phil Simms talking about, you know, a slightly less athletic version than Cam Newton. I'm like, all right, that's like really rich to be saying that. And he's got a better arm than Cam Newton, but he doesn't have the athleticism. I know he's big. He has everything you want. If you were like, a, you know, had a quarterback on Madden, he'd be a great quarterback to have. But he makes a lot of just easy throws. And he just tosses them way over their heads. Like, it's like worse than even Kaiser did. So he's a perfect guy to say, listen, you need to sit a little bit and work on your craft and your accuracy and your consistency. What better than to go to a team like the Giants where you can sit behind Eli Manning? So that's why I really like Darnold and Allen uh, to, to two for the Giants if they go the quarterback route. I guess I would lean Darnold because... He has more proven uh, track record, and even though he might not have the same ceiling as Josh Allen, he will be a little bit of a safer pick for the Giants. I think it would be a very safe pick to go Sam Darnold. Now, if they didn't go quarterback, and they said, listen, we're all in on Eli, we're all in on this defense that we've built, 
we got to make the pick to help that guy. I'd say, okay, all right, fine. Don't make a Barkley at two. Like, you, he'll probably do great for you, but he'll play a shorter career because of the way he plays. He does have a bust factor. You know, a lot of people just love, love to watch the highlight reel and what he can do. But what he does do sometimes is bounce out trying to look for a 33-yard gain when he could have taken the 2.5 to 4-yard gain in the hole that was created by his offensive line. So, But he sees that there's a tackler there. He says, okay, instead of taking the gain when I can, I bounce outside. I'm not saying he's not tough or anything. I'm not saying he doesn't want to take on tacklers. I'm saying he's a bit of a swing and a miss home run hitter sometimes. And you got to be ready for the strikeouts. You know, you have to be prepared for that. Those holes aren't going to, you're not going to be able to bounce all of the NFL teams too. You know, like, you know, the NFL is better than the Big Ten when it comes to defend defending the run. So I just think, you know, two, even though Saquon Barkley's awesome and he might be the best player in the draft, and he really might be. He might be the best player in the draft. I just think the Giants would be better off drafting Bradley Chubb or Quentin Nelson. And I don't think guard is too high or guard is not a valuable spot anymore because the NFL is filled with pass rushers, right? If you're, It's not like the left tackle is the only offensive lineman that matters anymore. You know, there's pass rushers across the defensive line. You know, you if you think the left tackle is the most important position when you're facing the Philadelphia Eagles, you're crazy. They have pro bowlers across the line. You know, your left tackle is not guarding Fletcher Cox all the time. You know, or, you know, they just cut Vinnie Curry, but he might be going up against Vinnie Curry, and Vinnie Curry might be the fourth best defensive lineman on the field at that time. So you need to have good linemen across the board because there's going to be constant one-on-one -on -one battles, and if they get slaughtered, it doesn't matter how good your left tackle is. You could be the Cleveland Browns. If your left tackle and your left guard and your right guard are pro bowlers, but your center is getting bowled over, your right tackle is a turnstile, your O-line suffers because of that. You need all good players. So the Giants just lost Justin Pugh. They just lost Western Richburg. They need to replace those guys. Quentin Nelson would be amazing at left guard. You know, you put him next to Solder, who's a good tackle, not the best, but he's a good tackle. Then you have Nelson. All of a sudden, you're really cooking something. You can maybe add a guy later in the draft, like a Frank Ragno, like a Brian Allen. There are a lot of good centers in this draft. So they can really improve there. And I know those are boring picks, but I think they're good picks. And they're smart picks because they will be around for a long time. You know, if the Browns went, if the Browns went Quentin Nelson at four, I would say, okay, first of all, we have three guards that are getting paid a lot of money. One of them needs to be able to play tackle. But if Joel Batonio can bounce out to tackle and the Browns took Quentin Nelson to be their left guard, I'd be pretty thrilled. I'd be pretty pumped. You know, I, I know it's a guard and the Browns are a winless team from last year, but if they are plugging in a future superstar at the position and he's going to be around for a while and improving the right tackle position at the same time, yeah, hell yeah, I'm doing that. I'm doing that, you know, 10 times out of 10. So I don't think there's a like gap between what you can take in the top. If it helps out your team and it plugs up a leaky hole, do it.
go for it. And I know I'm kind of contradicting myself. I said before that the Giants line wasn't that bad last year, but it was one of their worst units. You know, uh, you know the wide receivers were hurt. Quarterback suffered from that. Running back never got going because of line play, and, and they just caught behind the ball. So I get it. But you now lost Pew, and you now lost Rich- Richburg. It's time to make a move. Now, if you wanted to trade down and try and do this, hell yeah, I'm all for that. But I think it's better than taking Barkley at the top. I mean, I'm sure he'll do good wherever he goes, but I don't think it's the best play. All right. Now, enough with the Giants. All right, at two, you know what I think they should do, Darnold. I think with the New York Jets, it's a little clearer, right? You don't make that trade for Saquon Barkley. You don't give up three twos in today's NFL just to move up three spots so you can get Saquon Barkley. They went to go get a quarterback. Now, who is that quarterback going to be? Do they want someone who's similar to the guys on the roster, like big arm guys like McCown and Hackenberg was the big arm guy? You know, Bryce Petty, you know, hey, big, tall, strong kid. Do they want that? Or do they want something different from what they've been doing? Baker Mayfield makes a lot of sense for the New York Jets. I think Rosen should be their top guy. So if anyone was available, Josh Rosen should be the pick. And I hope they do make that the case. I think Josh Rosen to the Jets would actually be a great fit. Uh, one guy I work with, Eddie Lefkowitz, would love that pick. He's been a Josh Rosen, Rosen fan for the last three years. And he's been wanting him on the Jets, trying to force him to go into the NFL as a sophomore before he could actually legally do that. Now, though, I would like to see Josh Rosen on the Jets. I think that would be a good fit. And I think he's got a great chance to be really good in the NFL. I think he's the safest of the five quarterbacks. Of any quarterback in the draft, I think Josh Rosen is the safest to have a good career. The only problem is, you know, the concussions. He's had two. Uh, But when he's actually on the field, there's nothing to really criticize his football play with. He's not the most mobile, but he he does scramble well. And he can throw well on the run. Uh, He makes some really tight passes into windows that you didn't think are there. And he throws a beautiful ball. There's not much to not like about Josh Rosen. And he really dispelled all of the crap. You know, like everyone said, oh, you know, you come off as like a bad leader. You don't need football. Those questions were answered big time when he said, well, I love football. I wouldn't be playing football. Like nobody plays football if they don't love it. And especially not like a quarterback who if he doesn't need it, it means he loves it that much more. You know, if you need something, you might not love it, right? If a player needs money and he knows how to play football and he knows football is going to be his easiest way to money, how does that mean he loves football? He just loves needing football. He just loves the results of what football brings is money. But if you're Josh Rosen and you don't need that, then why would you be sticking it out so much? You have to love it, right? So I I hate this whole he doesn't love football thing. I think he put that to bed. He sounded really intelligent, and I was really impressed with all of his interviews over the past week. And I think he'd be a great and and yeah, and his teammates point out how they they don't think he's a problem at all. When they're like, "Where's all this crap coming from?" We love him. Maybe maybe he's not as vocal as a leader, or he doesn't have the same like gravitas as as Mayfield has. But they love Josh Rosen, so. I don't think he's a problem at all. Maybe I'm. Maybe he's duping us all. Maybe I'm missing something. But I 
I think he'd be great, and I think he's going to be fine. So <laughs> I think people need to just relax a little bit with the whole Josh Rosen thing. I think he'd be a great New York Jet. Baker Mayfield, he is on the shorter side, so he wouldn't be as tall as the other guys they have on the team. He'd have the personality for New York that I think would go really well. Uh, they might be the guy that he's targeting. I know Denver's interested in Baker Mayfield. Uh, Arizona seems to be a good fit with Baker Mayfield. While Buffalo seems more in the Josh Allen sweepstakes. So, And uh, same with uh, some of the later you know, draft you know, teams, you know, the teams in the 20s. Like the Steelers are, are you know, linked to Josh Allen and the, the Patriots as Josh Allen. So some of those teams like Josh Allen where they can sit him. Uh, with the Jets, it seems to be either Rosen or Mayfield. Uh, I think Darnold they would consider. So maybe those three guys are the ones that they would go for. But we still haven't heard any which one they love more than the other. Uh, I've seen mock drafts with them getting Josh Allen. I've seen mock drafts with them getting Baker Mayfield. I don't think Darnold gets past two. I think Darnold, at the end of the day, will be the pick at one. So I, I don't think he's going to be in play for the Jets because I think he's either the first or second pick. But the Rosen-Mayfield camp seems more likely. And yeah, there's no, no other position on the board for the Jets there. They have some good DBs. They have a pretty good defense. And you don't make that move unless you are going for a quarterback. So I think it's pretty obvious. They have Bridgewater for one year, McCow for one year. They don't have anything committed long-term to the position. Bottom line, Jets are going QB. I think it should be Rosen. I think Rosen might go two, and they'll go Mayfield three. But we'll see. Uh, I know a lot of people, that Mayfield will be a dis divisive pick. You know, there's no way he's getting picked by the Giants at two. Uh, but, boy, would he be some pick at the Jets. Some people would love Baker Mayfield on the Jets, and some people would hate Baker Mayfield on the Jets, whether they're a fan of the team or not. So, so yeah, so that's where we stand with the Jets and the Giants drafting. You know, I don't think the Jets traded too much. Uh, what, if anything, they just didn't get enough in the, pro in the process by only going up to three. They should have tried to get to two, and they obviously did try, which means the Giants aren't giving it up. I don't think they're holding on to it just for the sake of holding on to it. They're getting their quarterback. So do the top five picks, run it through. If I had to do the draft right now, I'd say Sam Darnold, number one. Number two is Josh Rosen or Josh Allen. Uh, I think Josh Allen, Josh Rosen would be the better pro, but I think Josh Allen ends up being the pick because of the fact that they can sit him and he can learn behind Eli and he won't need to force the hand of playing. So I think that'd be the best of both worlds. So Giants, Josh Allen, number two. Number three, New York Jets. I think they go Josh Rosen. And that makes it very interesting for the Browns at four. So if the Giants hold on to their pick and take a QB or they trade it, they're still going to be three quarterbacks gone through three picks and multiple teams looking at that fourth quarterback at four. Now, does Buffalo not want Mayfield? Does you know they don't have a quarterback right now? It's Nathan Peterman who 
is historically known for being the quarterback that threw five picks in his first game. And then they have A.J. McCarron, who went really unwanted in free agency. Uh, they don't have these guys locked up long-term. They have the need for quarterback. They have the 12th pick. They have the 22nd pick. They have an additional third from the Browns when they trade Tyrod Taylor. So they have ammunition to go make a move for quarterback. If they don't get two from the Giants, that fourth pick from the Browns is very juicy. Hopefully the quarterback that's still there for is someone that they would want because they could drive up the price. The Browns are already talking to Arizona about a trade down. I think that might be the fuel of fire because I don't think the Browns want to fall to 15. I think they just want to tell Denver, hey, listen, people are calling about this fourth pick. You know, we could run a switch. And boy, would that be something. If the Browns did a switch at 4-5 and quarterback went 1-2-3-4, Denver gives up a 2 just to move up one spot and say, all right, listen, we need to make sure we get our quarterback. It's worth the second-round pick to get Baker Mayfield. And the giant and the Browns say, huh, cool. We'll get the same guy we wanted at five now, plus an additional two. Boy, that'd be awesome if the Browns were able to pull off that type of magic, that little swindling move. That would be something. And uh, and then at five, if they do do that trade, let's say you know the Broncos move up to take Mayfield at four. At five, the Browns could go a number of different directions. I think with the extra two, they tell themselves, hey, we can afford to go out on a limb and take Saquon Barkley. And they take Barkley at five. And that, that would be the case. I don't think the Browns should take a running back that high. But if they acquire another two in the process, especially a Denver two, that could be pretty high. All of a sudden, you have three high second-round picks and a late second-round pick. And you can say, we can address cornerback, offensive line, and a wide receiver all in round two now, we can now afford to take a running back that high. Uh, if they stay at four, maybe they don't take Barkley. Maybe they take Bradley Chubb and they say, okay, you know what? We want to take the you know best player that could help us on defense and really have a menacing pass rush, and we'll take a running back at top round two. You know, that could be another route they go. I'm seeing a lot of Bradley Chubb talk, but if we do the trade and they get that extra second round pick, I'm all for the Browns. Uh, getting that, getting Barkley, Darnold and Barkley, that'd be some combo. That'd be a way to win the draft. You know, you leave draft night with a real future of the offense. You know, you, last week you got Tyrod Taylor and Carlos Hyde for the Cleveland Browns looking really cool. You know, all of a sudden they have backups coming in, these rookies that are about, about to change the league. That would be something. So, all right, that's enough draft talk this week. Thanks for stopping in to listen to that uh, I, I know not all of you are big draft talk fans but it's my go-to and uh, this time of the year it's a lot of fun and uh, shout out to all the Giant fans all the Jet fans hope you enjoyed this but before I let you go got a couple things to do bracket update NCAA bracket busters my bracket update not good three of my final four teams have been eliminated uh-oh <laughs> I'm going into the Sweet 16, and I have Villanova winning their region. That's the only one I have left. And I'm pretty sure everyone has Villanova, so my chances of winning my bracket are none too good. But I did pick Loyola to win two games, so I was pretty pumped about being right on that one. I took a couple risks. 
uh, that a lot of people had and then took that one that I didn't see from a lot of people. So was really pumped that Loyola made to the Sweet 16. And this will be the second year that I have an 11 seed helping me in the side tourney I do with my buddies, the tournament tournament, the Sammy Buttry tournament, where you get points per ra- points per win per seed number. So you take Duke, you get two points per win, right? It doesn't do a whole lot of damage, but they win more games. You take Loyola, and there's a lot of risk. You might not get any points from them, but if they win three games, it makes it the Elite Eight, that's 33 points. And that's nothing that any of those top four, five, six seeds can do, even if they go like all the way. So I uh, won this last year with my friends. We each had six teams. You can pick the same team as another guy, uh, but everyone has six teams that are unique to them. And uh, my go-to was Xavier. And they, <laughs> it seems like Xavier, who, you know, I'm sorry to my cousins, Brulian Brilliant Giant. Julie and Brian, who uh, are big Xavier fans, and I was really rooting for them. I wanted them to do well for you guys, and it seems like every time they're a high pick, they check out early, and when they're a lower pick, they surprise people. So maybe that's Xavier's key next year. Just be a low pick again, and he can go on a tournament run. <laughs> I think that's the way to go. But uh, no, I mean, it, it, so I have Loyola this year. Uh, they're an 11 seed. They have the two wins so far. I'm in a deep hole, but if Loyola wins another game, I'll be right in the thick of it and going up against my buddy Chuck, especially since he has both Kansas State and Kentucky. So if Loyola wins and he gets one of those guys to win, and I'll still be trailing, but Loyola would be going head-to-head with his team and basically for the title. So I think that's really cool, and that could be a really fun scenario. So if Loyola just wins... One more game, that game would that game this Saturday or Sunday would be a very fun game for me, at least betting wise, because I want a chance to win this tournament. Tournament, my bracket's crap, so hey, little side bet that'd be a lot of fun. So bracket update done. My one minute movie review. I didn't watch a movie this week. Uh, I will say that uh, I probably will do this next week. Uh, there's a couple Netflix shows that I'm going to try out. Uh, I want to watch season three of Love, which I'm pretty sure I'll watch that really quickly. And uh, what is it? It's it's about midnight Wednesday night, so I might be done with Love this time next week. Who knows? And uh, so so maybe we'll do a Netflix you know, show review next week. But no movie, movie, minute, one, one minute movie review. None of that this week. Uh, I do have a top five that I want to talk about because it's Girl Scout season and Girl Scout cookies have been coming through. You get a lot of those, you know, boxes that you like, oh, I'll do it because, you know, I want to support Ryan's grand- Ron's granddaughter. And, uh, you know, she's been working hard. So, you know, buy a couple boxes to be nice. That's what I say. And then when the boxes come in, I'm like, oh, no, I don't need these tag-alongs. And I eat them in, like, two servings. I'm supposed to eat two cookies at a time. I'm not supposed to be eating any cookies, but you're supposed to eat, like, two cookies for one serving. I'm like, please, if this lasts the weekend, I'd be thrilled. So that gave me the inspiration for this week's top five. Girl Scout cookies. All right. Number five. Don't really know the name of it one, but it's the one that's shaped like a s'more. It tastes like a s'more. It's like on a little cookie, uh, like a little, it almost looks like a Keebler cookie, like a Keebler Elf's cookie, but 
but it's s'more flavored. I really don't know much about it. It's honestly, this was a four horse race at the top. Uh, but the s'more one comes at number five. Number four, this one is a dosy dough. Now, a lot of people don't know the dosy dough. It's two oatmeal cookies with a peanut butter layer in between, you know, so it looks like a peanut butter cookie sandwich. And you're probably thinking, wow, this dosy dough, nobody really cares about dosy doughs. However, if you bite into a dosy dough and drink some milk in your mouth, it tastes like Cap'n Crunch. I, I kid you not, it is, it's like the cheat code. You're going to think about it and you're like, oh my gosh, it is. It's like a better version of Captain Crunch because it's like a cookie and milk cookie version rather than cereal version. It's unbelievable. I didn't realize it until this year because I just had a dosy dough like for the first time in like a decade, but I had one. I was like, man, this is, that's a Captain Crunch. That's Captain Crunch cereal. So they jumped into my top five because for the longest time, this was just a three horse race. Number three for me, it's going to piss some people off. It's the Thin Mint. Now, everybody's got Thin Mints. They love to freeze them. I agree. A nice chocolate Thin Mint in the freezer. Very tasty. You know, it'd be, it, you know, I like a chilled, cold cookie. I like cold desserts. So, the Thin Mint. But, to, you know, the ice cream flavor Thin Mint's really good, too. So, it's a very popular one. But it doesn't, it doesn't do it for me as much as the top two. Which you can also freeze these, especially the number two, Tagalongs, the peanut butter cookie uh, with, you know, it's basically an upside down Reese's cup. I really, I mean, Tagalongs for the longest time were my favorite until I loved shaved coconut, which leads to number one. But Tagalongs, you can freeze those too. Really tasty. Everyone likes peanut butter and chocolate. It, it edges out Thin Mints. It doesn't quite get number one because Samoas are just the best. You know, you got the toasted caramel, the chocolate swirl on top. It's around like a cookie. It's got the chocolate underneath. The, man, the Samoas, I could, it's like, it's it's just so tasty. It's got a lot of flavor. It's the number one Girl Scout cookie. And I don't think it's that, I don't, I don't think it's even that close anymore. It used to not be a consideration of mine. Now, it's my it's my go-to. It's my number one. Uh, of course, you know, now that I ate the whole box, they're gone for another year. I don't have to literally even think about a Girl Scout cookie until, you know, February when the list comes around and I act like I don't eat cookies, but I want to support uh, your daughter's Girl Scout fund so she can get a like a free bike or something. Yeah, I'll, I'll lie for your daughter. So listen, that was the Jake podcast. I had a lot of fun this week. Uh, a few things we didn't get to. I mean, I've been pushing off Oscar talk. I think I'm just not even going to cover the Oscars at this point because it's like it's happened like three weeks ago now. Uh, still haven't caught up on The Walking Dead. Maybe I'll do, you know, I think we're only a couple weeks away from Walking Dead season ending. We'll do a long review on that because I'm way behind. And, of course, baseball season is kicking off real soon. We'll talk about baseball. We'll do more of a baseball preview next week. But thanks again for listening to The Jake. Come back next week. Thank you.